0: Now I want you to notice, who chose who? He chose us. Jesus said point blank in John 15, verse 16, You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit. And notice, look at verse 4, when He chose us, before the foundation of the world, from all eternity, We who are limited by time, we we have a hard time fathoming this, but the language is clear. God says He chose us before time began. Before He created this time-space-matter universe, He chose us in Christ. To what purpose? That we should be holy and blameless before Him.
1: Welcome to Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue in our study of the book of Ephesians. Pastor Scott brings a message titled, The Father Who Chose Us. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started.
0: Oh, Father, we thank you for the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news. And as we turn to your word now, I pray that your Holy Spirit would open our eyes to the riches we have in Christ. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to Ephesians chapter 1. You know, this, uh, this section of Scripture is just like, uh, it's hard to describe, really, and it's hard to preach because there is so much here. It's hard to teach because you think, where do you start, where do you stop? I was talking to a Christian lady recently, and she told me she hesitated to read the Bible because she felt to, under the pile she wasn't responding to the exhortations. And I said, let me give you an assignment. Read Ephesians 1 through 3, and you won't get under the pile. There'll be nothing to respond to as far as exhortations. It's just three chapters worth of truth just lavished on you. And that's really what it is. It's like when I come to Ephesians, I come to like a treasure box, you know, and you just say, well, and you just start to kind of unpack it. And you take out all these riches. And uh, for the first three chapters, he does not tell us, you know, here's what we should do or anything like that. He says, here's what God has done. And so uh, keep that in mind. My wife, from time to time, tells me, you know, you ought to apply it more to our lives. And uh, today she'll really hate it. Because <laughs> she doesn't. But, you know... Uh, I said, the Lord does that. We just need to splash around in the riches and it'll apply itself. And today, uh, you know, I'm going to try anyway. I'll break my promise, but I'm going to try to just tell you what, what's here. And we're not going to talk about what we should do or anything like that. We just want to enjoy the riches of His grace. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before Him, in love He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the kind intention of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, which He freely bestowed on us in the Beloved." God from all eternity purposed to lavish His blessings on us. Last time we looked at it from eternity to eternity. God's eternal purpose, that's what Ephesians is really all about. And so as we look at this section of it. We're looking at God who just lavishes on us. And for now, he doesn't say what we should do. We'll get to that later in the book. But he doesn't apply it in that way. He just simply says, listen to this. And Paul says, praise the Lord. He blesses the one who's blessed us with every spiritual blessing. You know, God is the author of all blessing. Every good thing bestowed, James writes in James 1.17. Every good thing bestowed and every good gift, every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights with whom there's no variation or shifting shadow. He completely transcends His creation. There's no change or hint of contingency in God. And He gives every good thing. No wonder, Paul says, we bless, we eulogize, We speak well of the one who's blessed us with every spiritual blessing. He has lavished. Look down at verse 8. He has lavished the riches of His grace. In fact, verse 3 says, in every spiritual blessing, God can't give you more than He already has. (laughs) He's given us everything. No good thing. Does he withhold from those who walk uprightly? That's what Psalm 84 says. Oh, Lord, the psalmist goes on. Oh, Lord of hosts, how blessed is the man who trusts in thee. You come to Jesus Christ, and he lavishes his grace on you. And the psalmist says, how blessed is the one whose hope is in the Lord. Peter begins his second epistle, you know, toward the end of his life. And Peter had his ups and downs, but Peter, he just, he, he has the same thought pattern. As he began Second Peter, he said, He's given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Blessed be His name. His divine power has granted to us everything that we'll ever need. Now, the natural question, we looked at verse 3 last time. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ and we saw that all these blessings come to us through Christ, the natural question is, well, what are they? And Paul answers with the longest sentence in the Bible. 202 words, verses 3 through 14, is one long run-on, you know. He'd probably get marked off if... uh, if he was writing it. Oh, you should have broken this into... But he can't stop as he starts speaking of it. And, uh, you know, I hesitate. I told you last time I hesitate to outline it, and yet it outlines itself around that purpose phrase that comes up three times. The triune God has blessed us. The Father's blessed us. The Son, the Spirit. And each time, notice... Verses 3 through 6, the Father who chose us to the praise of the glory of His grace, verse 6. The Son who redeemed us, verses 7 through 12, to the praise of His glory. And the Spirit who has sealed us, verse 14, to the praise of His glory. The Son chose us. I mean, the Father chose us. The Son redeemed us and the Spirit sealed us. You have, in one sense, the past. From all eternity, God the Father chose us. In time and space, God created this drama, you know, that in real time, His Son might come to this earth and redeem us. And we saw last time how God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit were all involved in that creation, that poema. And that one, the one we live in, He's going to uncreate. He's going to destroy that theater, so to speak. This one that we're talking about, this building of the church that He's speaking of, stretches, it predates that, and it extends far beyond it into all eternity. Heaven and earth are going to pass away, Jesus said, but not my word. And He chose us from all eternity, and in time, God the Son came to this world and redeemed me by His blood, And the Holy Spirit has sealed me till the day of redemption, speaking of the future. Now, if I took a key word for each of those sections, it would be election, God's work of choosing, the Father's work of choosing, redemption, the Son's work of buying me back out of the bondage of sin, and inheritance. My inheritance is secure because the Holy Spirit has been given to me as a down payment or earnest money till God finishes what he started. I am sealed. And notice, by the way, just glance at it. I won't take the time. We'll see it as we go through it. Every one of these, again, is in Christ, in Christ. All these blessings are in Christ. And I would say, you know, perhaps the greatest need in my life, greatest need in your life is to see what we have in Christ to understand the riches we have in Christ. And so if you look at the structure, and again, I I don't want us to lose sight of what he's saying because we have to stop him. You just got to look at these phrase by phrase almost because there's so much here. But don't lose sight of it. He gives this longest sentence in the Bible. In the Greek, it's 202 words as he just flashes around in the grace of God and the riches he's lavished on us. And then the balance of the chapter, notice verse 15. For this reason, I pray for you, he says. Because of all this, and the rest of the chapter, is, our, is, is Paul's prayer that we, verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling. In other words realize what you have I pray you would you know you ever do you remember I mean I still remember my first checking account I mean I I got it I got I knew how they worked I'd watched adults all my life you know but when I got my checking account I still remember I was nervous very nervous as I just wrote this piece of paper out and was able to buy things it just You just tear it off, and they take it, and that's all there is to it. It was a thrill, wasn't it? Till the end of the month. (laughs) And maybe, you know, a lot of you young kids probably don't I know, in fact, a lot of you young kids don't even use a checking account. You just slick a piece of plastic through. And, you know, I'm still getting, I'm a little old-fashioned, I'm still trying to learn my PIN number. You mean you just punch the number in and money comes out of the machine? I don't believe it. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, last summer, this is a true confession today, last summer I negotiated the machine, and $20 bills came out. I said, hey, this is great, Till the end of the month. They got me three different ways. The money was gone, the fee for using the machine, the fee for using it wrong, the fee for using it out of state, the fee for, I don't know what all it was, <laughs> But I remember I said, I'm never doing that again. <laughs> but you know, the amazing thing about God's riches is that He wants us to know them so that we'll utilize them. We have these riches and we can draw on His account. And that with God, there's no analogy I can really draw for this because with God, the more you use the riches of His grace, the more you enjoy them, there's no end of the month, there's no strings attached. He has lavished these things on us. So uh, remember that. Remember that. And just as I can sit here and distinguish, you know, between Father, Son, and Spirit, what He's done, so I can't, too, because they overlap. There's the whole triune God is for me, and He has blessed me. But just the same, in verses 3 through 6, I'm going to emphasize what I believe uh, the Scripture emphasizes, the Father's work for us it's the father who chose us and there's three a threefold emphasis here he chose he predestined and he adopted now we're going to look at them each separately but they go together they go together and uh, it's good to to state right at the outset that he chose us in Christ he predestined us in Christ he adopted us as his sons in Christ it's all in Christ it's all Look at the end of uh, verse 4, in love, in love. And uh, someone has said that our Christian life depends on a love that never began and will never end. And when I say eternity to eternity... It's hard for our finite minds to bring it down to where we live and think about it, but let me encourage you, Christian. Your Christian life depends on God's love, and there was no beginning, and there's no end to it. Everything He does, He does in love toward us. It's in love, it's to the praise of His glory, and it's for His glory. It's to His praise and His grace that we... The, the end result should be the first word of verse 3, praise him, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now notice, he launches right into it, verse 4, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. This is the gracious language of the New Testament. Now I want you to notice, who chose who? He chose us. Jesus said point blank in John 15, verse 16, You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And notice, look at verse 4, When He chose us, before the foundation of the world, from all eternity, We who are limited by time, we we have a hard time fathoming this, but the language is clear. God says He chose us before time began. Before He created this time, space, matter, universe, He chose us in Christ. To what purpose? That we should be holy and blameless before Him. You know, this is the language He uses of His Son, The spotless Lamb of God who is blameless. This is the language he's going to use in chapter five of the completed church, that he will present us to himself without spot, without blemish, blameless. Jude says in that final doxology, you know, now to him who is able to make you to stand blameless, keep you from stumbling and make you stand before him blameless. That's why God chose us. He wants us to stand before him blameless. And Jude adds, with great joy. And I might ask, why did he choose us? Because people ask that, don't we? I mean, we honestly ask that. Why? And I say, let the text answer. Look at verse 5. According to the kind intention of his will. His kind intention, his will, his love. Verse four. His glory, verse six. Why did he choose us? Because he wanted to. His eternal purpose. That's why. Now tie it real closely because it is tied very closely with the next thought. He chose us in him. He predestined us. He destined us beforehand. It wasn't a matter of chance. It wasn't a matter of our wisdom. It wasn't a matter of our godliness. It wasn't a matter of our anything. It does not depend on the man who wills or the man who runs, but on God who has mercy. He predestined us. He foreordained it. This is the capstone of grace. You want to understand, you know, we say, what is grace? Grace is God's work, completely unmerited on our part. And because it's the capstone of grace, it elicits praise it, uh, it causes us to give praise to His holy name. You see, our salvation must be of grace because we are fallen in sin. You remember where Romans started? Turn back over there to Romans chapter 3. When Paul spends three chapters uh, underlining our problem, our, our dilemma, before he gets to God's solution, he points out that... Uh, It had to be of grace because nobody seeks him. He has to do the seeking and the saving. In the garden, it was the Lord who came and sought out Adam and Eve. As soon as sin entered the picture, man has been fleeing from God. Man isn't really seeking God. He's not seeking truth. He's suppressing truth. He's hiding from God. And God had to send his son into this world to save sinners. And God predestined us. And as I say, this is the capstone of grace. And uh, Romans underlines why, chapter 3, verse 10, there is none righteous. There's not even one. There's none who understands. There's none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they've become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. God predestined us adoption as sons he chose us out from eternity past out of his unmerited grace out of his uncaused there was nothing in me that caused him to choose me it was all in God and he predestined us to adoption as sons now this is the language of Ephesians I mean very strongly the language of Ephesians look down at verse 11 as he still, and that's why I say there's a lot of overlap in these, you can't outline it real clean, you know, just say, well that's a different section, no, he's still talking about it in verse 11, he says, we've obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will. But it's not just the language of Ephesians, it's certainly that. It's the language of Jesus, when he said, you didn't choose me, but I chose you, he said, you know, if you were of the world, the world would love you, but I have chosen you out of the world in chapter 15 of John, verse 19, after I quoted verse 16. It's the language of Paul. He says in 2 Timothy 1.9, when he's recounting it to Timothy, he said, he saved us and called us, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which he granted us from all eternity. That's the language of Paul. Peter said as he opened his letter he said who has chosen us according to his foreknowledge according to the foreknowledge of god we're chosen he said jesus as i said used this language paul turn over to corinthians 1. it's good i think to see how often the bible uses this language corinthians 1 when paul is talking about uh, this matter of salvation he says god verse 27 Has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. Uh, He didn't choose us because we're wise. In fact, his argument here is it's not that the wise or the strong or the mighty are saved. It's not by our strength or our might or our wisdom or our righteousness. It's God who did the saving. And in fact, he chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, verse 27. He's chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. And the base things of the world and the despised, God has chosen. Three times he uses the language of choice. Jesus himself preached, he healed, he went about doing good, and yet the storm clouds of rejection increased and increased. And as you watch, for instance, the book of Matthew, you see this develop. And when he was by and large being rejected, you know what he said? Turn over there. Matthew 11. At that time, verse 25, Jesus answered and said, I praise thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou didst hide these things from the wise and intelligent and didst reveal them to babes. Why did he do that? Jesus goes on, yes, Father, for thus you wanted to, that's why it was well-pleasing in your sight.
1: been listening to Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, The Father Who Chose Us, a message from our study of the book of Ephesians. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today, or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to abideintheword.us. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. Something we've been making available as a thank you gift for our listeners are USB flash drives loaded with Bible teaching series in their entirety. So currently, we're offering the entire teaching of the Gospel of Matthew. That's 109 full-length messages, over 50 hours of clear, Christ-centered Bible teaching on this important introductory book of the New Testament. We'd like to make these teachings available to you, our listeners. Just make your request, along with your gift of any size, to the ministry Abide in the Word. You can do that during regular business hours by calling 503-524-7000 or mail at P.O. Box 19191, Portland, Oregon 97280. You can simply click on contact us at Us anytime. We'd love to put one of these valuable resources in your hands. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. Jesus, even as he said this, he said,
0: come to me. All who are weary and heavily laden, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. You see, I'm well aware that people dislike this teaching of Scripture that God chose us. The self-righteousness of man rears its ugly head and wants to rob God of glory and say, Well, we chose him, though. I it has to be us making the choice. And the scripture uniformly answers, no, no. Now, it lets that truth of God's sovereign grace be the capstone of His gracious glory, and yet it never negates the truth that man is responsible, and that whoever will call upon the name of the Lord
1: will be saved. Join us again next time as we continue in our study of the book of Ephesians. Pastor Scott brings part two of the message titled, The Father, who chose us. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you.